Crime Limited Show with me, Swithin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss why do people do drugs? Tim. So we have a few titles we could have used for this, and we can include alcohol with the drugs. So I'll quick start with a term. By drugs, I don't mean things like Tylenol or insulin or other things like that, but rather quote-unquote recreational drugs. Now, uh, recreational drugs with no seeming medicinal value. Now, that's tricky. I can already see the sort of pro-weed and Joe Rogan types already sort of um, jumping at me because, because many of them will argue they do have medicinal value. Interestingly enough, some drugs used to have medicinal value, now are used as illicit drugs or quote-unquote illegal drugs. Um, so, so the word recreational can be somewhat dodgy. But like in theory, at some point, some amount of food, regardless of fasting, you need some amount of food to live. The quantity is, you know, more precise, but and what types of foods, but you need to eat or else you drink water or else you die. If you don't drink alcohol or you don't drink, um, don't have weed, in theory, you won't die or in theory, a quote unquote normal person would die. Um, but so as far as back to the um, you know, uses of things, something like marijuana, Joe Rogan, Stephen Crowder had a sort of somewhat nasty debate at the end because Joe Rogan was like saying like weed is this sort of miracle weapon here. And this sort of brings up the sort of one of the memes libertarians of like the liberal libertarians get associated with. Um, so so I do. I. I do I do want to stress the recreational part, so to speak. And as a quick aside, I am entirely clean uh, out, outside of I'm not saying that to brag per se either way. Some people might think that makes me boring. I don't really care at this point. Uh, I, I have some wine I've had and I had a few sips of beer, both at brewery tours, by the way, one in Denver, one in Dublin, Ireland. Um, but I didn't like the taste of it. And as far as the other quote unquote harder drugs, never done them either. So. And, you know, I wasn't around the people that would do them. Again, that's just sort of my sort of petite, I don't know what Marxists say, petite bourgeois background. Speaking of the Marx, I'm going to start with the, um, I'm going to start with the Marxists here because I think the Marxists are more interesting about the drug case, drugs in general, than oftentimes gives out. You know, Marx, of course, in his famous passage called uh, Religion of the Opiate of the Masses, that's an interesting analogy choice. Uh, if you want to say uh, the the word opiate, because he's saying in the context of the British Opium Wars and used with it also sent a book called the uh, Red Cocaine. And in the beginning of that book, it starts with a passage about how Mao Zedong and the Soviets sort of viewed them, viewed drugs as a way to weaken your enemies, so to speak. You know, you give them drugs to weaken them. Uh, or drugs like opium. And that was sort of the opium war. So so Marx was talking in this time. And you get the sort of brave new world thing where Sonoma brings about happiness. Uh, this idea of the drugs used for a bad – drugs are used to control people to accept harsh ruling conditions and exploitation. Um, um, so it's a strange out of Reddit comment here. I thought this was interesting. It's interesting to note which drugs avoid vilification. Many jobs provide short breaks for workers to use socially accepted drugs, you know, caffeine and nicotine, so they're more productive. Um, and alcohol consumption is encouraged as an encouraged pastime um, in the more vicious imperial nations and among the ruling class themselves. Drinking alcohol to the point of brain damage is often a rite of passage in the educational institutions 
which create bourgeois leaders and opinion makers. Meanwhile, drugs like Prozac and Xanax are used by the most privileged sectors of the society to alleviate the simplest symptoms of capitalist exploitation or self-awareness in the bourgeoisie. I think it's most actually to argue that the ruling class want a stimulated working class during office hours and then drunken, unempathetic working class for the remainder of the day. Recent bourgeois efforts to legalize marijuana and the widespread prescriptions of opiates suggest that in nations where actual productivity is no longer as required, an unmotivated working class is now complementary to their interests as well. So I thought that was interesting. I think that's basically I think it's basically the case. Now, whether there's a they, whether there's a council or some people making these decisions and it's not just people acting on their different self-interest. But it is worth pointing out, you know, if you look at countries that have very strict drug laws, North Korea, Cuba, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, so does China. Now, again, whether it's those are the most harsh ones, whether they enforce them in reality is a question. It's something where it's hard to know certain aspects of things. It might be impossible to know anything about this topic uh, because, you know, but but the fact that the official formal signals of this illegality are interesting confession. I mean, again, if one's an elite in the society, you could probably get one's hands on it, just like how all North Korea's elite are educated in Western Europe. Um, um, but you know, I think that sort of signal of illegality um, bears a, a worthy point here. Uh, in the West, currently, to bring up, like, I made a point about me being basically clean here. Drug use is in some certain sectors is considered cool, so to speak. In old movies, sex might be considered taboo to be on screen, but smoking was ubiquitous. Now it's the opposite. Things like smoking and alcohol, is less so of alcohol, but still is, is much more hidden. Um, you know, and then you get the odd problem, like where kids, kids think smoking is cool to sort of like piss off certain parents' institutions here. Um, um, uh, and Thaddeus Russell likes to point out that Americans during colonial times drank huge amounts of alcohol. You can you can argue over the alcohol percentage, but it's not zero. So they're probably slightly inebriated. And this is probably true in other places as well. Thaddeus Russell's discovered the United States, but I bet the same story is true in Germany. I bet the same story is true in you know, in, in Britain. Um, um, you have I mean you, that was basically your drink of choice, so to speak. I mean the water quality here, and that's been the case for a certain amount of history. So. There's a certain degree where everyone was slightly inebriated historically. We don't know that. Now, Thaddeus Russell, interestingly himself, um, speaking of performative contradiction, has been clean since 2012. Um, he used to be an alcoholic from some variety. That's based on an interview he did um, with, with uh, Bridget Phetasy. That is a that is a fake name, I know, but that's what she calls herself when she gets interviewed. Um, so that's my that's my uh, opening. Uh, uh, comments here on drug use here. So then what do you make of drug use? I mean, I'll start with questions, but if you want to respond to my opening comments, that's fine. Are drugs a form of control? You know, are drugs a form of non-control? What would you what would you say? Swithin? I think when it comes to drugs as to whether they're a form of control or not, I think uh, largely depends on the type. Um, the ones that would seem to be ones that were more useful for controlling are the ones which uh, impair cognitive function significantly. So those would be things like um, 
the current drugs is predominantly illegal because the reason to take them is to get high, which clearly impairs cognitive function. Um, and like drinking significant amounts of alcohol would be inebriated. On the other hand, things like caffeine, uh, for one thing, I can't see how caffeine is going to control anybody. As you point out, it could make them more uh, productive. And, and does, although actually, to be fair, in that sense, um, I remember one story once about a mathematician who used amphetamines who cl- that claimed it actually made him more productive. So um, you, there may be a greater distinction, as I, but I'm not too familiar with the effects uh, of amphetamines. Um, but I, I, I think it's l- the control element basic, basically comes in from whether it's a way of taking you out of reality. Um, because then as you, point out, you, you no longer are concerned with the material conditions of your living or, or things like that, because you have an easy outlet. You go on your Soma holiday uh, to uh, reference uh, Brave New World. Um, that would seem to be the ones uh, that are more um, more controlling. So that, that's kind of interesting uh, with respect to cannabis and smoking, as in smoking tobacco. You're right. Uh, the as an aside with smoking, smoking is a, 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 something everyone should investigate. And I haven't done as much as I should. The reason is that what's interesting about it is it became utterly ubiquitous 20 years ago to being um, completely socially unacceptable in anything other than working class uh, scenarios. Maybe cigars are still OK, but certainly not cigarette smoking. Uh, and that has massively changed over 25 years or so. I mean, it used to be normal. Like everybody's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people smoked. It wasn't abnormal in any way, shape or form. Um, So I do think it's interesting that basically something that doesn't really alter your cognitive function very much, if anything, maybe relaxes you to some extent. Of course, you know, if you get off the nicotine, then you get shaky and you need it. You get that sort of physical dependence to some extent. Um, But that's sort of like being pushed out of and saying, oh, yeah, that's really, really bad. But then cannabis, on the other hand, is kind of good. Um, and I do think that's interesting when it comes to um, sort of the mental uh, side of that. Uh, now, I said, of course, it could just be the case that this is just another way of making money and we just want to promote drugs so we can make more money on them. Um, but um, to your central point, uh, uh, yeah, the drugs which um, – which take which take you out of your current situation, assuming, of course, that your your general cognitive uh, functions give you a true sense of what the your, the condition that you are living in is. That's very butchered, but hopefully you get the point. Uh, <clears throat> then taking uh, a drug to get you out of there, uh, I, I think is very much easy. To control. I mean, so for instance, if you're in prison and it'd be like, assuming there were no other effects, well, the easiest way to stop people rioting in the prison is to get them on drugs. I mean a nice passive prison population and that's much easier to deal with than jailbreaking and violence and things now i don't know if there are any drugs that fit that bill but in principle if they were then that would that would of course uh make sense um and i think that then relates uh if, if you want to go here now i was gonna say why people use drugs especially um those um sort of uh hallucinogenic was probably the best way of describing ones is to a large extent to get out of the situation they're in so an interesting example here this is something um oh harry i can't remember his first name uses in the book um chasing the scream 
I can't remember what he said. He cites the situation that uh, lots of Vietnam um, soldiers were uh, addicted to heroin or whatever. Maybe addicted is the wrong term. They were heavy users of heroin. And when they came back, uh, within five, uh, only 5% of them within a year had gone back on heroin quite significantly. After three years, it was 12%. So 88% of heavy heroin users uh, after three years simply didn't use this stuff again. Now, again, kind of obvious as to why you might want to take heroin in Vietnam. Probably not fun watching people being napalmed uh, or your friends getting his head exploded by the Viet Cong. Uh, so that's kind of understandable. So, so that seems to be uh, one of the major reasons. I think, I mean, that's obvious if you look at people now, one's cause and effect. If you see homeless people, they're most always on drugs. Now, the question is, were they on drugs before they went to be homeless or because being homeless is really bad, they're on drugs? Well, probably both. Well, we'll put it this way. The, their life probably wasn't great before they went on the streets in many cases. I mean, I don't think that's going to be uh, uncontroversial. I don't think that's controversial in many cases. Uh, and that's why they, they take them. Now, that said, another historic reason for taking drugs, though, uh, was religious. The idea that somehow this got you in touch with spirits or in, in um uh, to, to commune with God, uh, certain of the African uh, religions engage in sort of rituals and they use those sorts of drugs. Um, in South America, is it ayahuasca? I think I can't remember. that they basically get tourists to come and do this sort of um, uh, the tourists. They get sort of through like the shaman who kind of uh, kind of coordinates their. Um, the trip through the ayahuasca to sort of like um deal with themselves or something i don't remember these remember the interview with the guy who did it um so that's another sort of historic uh reason of doing it i i don't know about now the interest probably the one that's most difficult to explain to some extent possibly is the recreational upper class usage which seems to be on the rise i don't know what that was like historically i mean it may have been that so, for instance, uh, London is known as one of the cocaine capitals of the world. Uh, apparently, you can, if you do chemical analysis of the water in London, there's traces of cocaine in it. There's that much. Um, so then the question is, well, why did that? Well, I suppose, again, similar, maybe they just have high pressure jobs. It's a way of getting away from it. Um, or I suppose it's a classic sort of uh, son of the aristocrat who is bored because he has everything he wants. And so, hmm, don't really know what to do. Oh, drugs, that's kind of a way of getting around the boredom. So I suppose that'd be another um, possible explanation. So when it comes to um, the um, hallucinogenic, the well, not necessarily hallucinogenic, but the ones that sort of significantly impair cognitive function, those, I think, would be the major explanations. One is your material conditions are really bad uh, in your life in general as you take drugs. Uh, I feel life is pretty good, but it's really stressful. So you do it. So it's kind of similar. One, you might be bored or um, additionally, for some sort of uh, religious thing. And I think that was one of the ideas of the, the hippies kind of did with LSD in the 60s. It was getting in touch with nature and, and sort of the associated sort of uh, rise of sort of pantheons, pantheism and panentheism as you got um, in the sort of 60s on in the 70s. Um, so th th those would be my initial comments my next question will be related to uh i'm gonna start with christianity this is sort of a side topic that we focus here uh and for that matter other sort of i mean i don't know as much about it 
Um, but the what's the Christian's relationship, Christianity's relationship toward drugs, alcohol, and, and other sort of uh, smoking? Like again, as you said, smoking is interesting insofar as starting. I, I would say it's a little earlier than that, but with the, the, hardly any, hardly any quote unquote respectable people um, uh, smoke, or at least if you see them smoke, they'll, they'll hide it. Interesting enough, Barack Obama was probably a lot, was was has the smokers was a smoker from my understanding, um, which is sort of an interesting uh, statement here. But um, you know, there is there there is the idea of of respectability politics, so to speak, and you know, drugs generally don't consider that. And I know I asked you about Christianity, but I'm also going to include this in as a question slash comment as well. Um, what do you think of making you know? One of the criticisms of making drugs illegal is uh, uh, is it makes it quote unquote cool. Uh, you know this this to me I, I I've never I've I've never quite saw my way through this argument here. Um, um, I can see I can see that it might be theoretically impossible to actually ban drugs. Peter Hitchens on the other end thinks it is possible to actually ban drugs. Um, they just don't try hard enough here. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of if you think, you know, it is true in Islamic countries, for example, alcohol is basically banned. Um, now, again, could the elites get it? Could other people get it? We don't know. What else does it include? There's a certain degree. But from, from all tense and all purposes, it is probably not in existence here. Um, you know, in you know, the United States, the suffragettes and some of the other sort of progressive Christians of the times um, went on a crusade against demon rum. Uh, 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 this was this was a part of, you know, this was and the Quakers and some of the other religious groups in the past. And I'm not sure about the Quakers, but certain religious groups banned alcohol as well for their members. Um, now not for everybody. Um, which 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 goes back to your initial comment, like are are homeless people on drugs and alcohol, therefore they're homeless, or do they get homeless and then well this is a really sucky situation. So I'm just going to do that. So the causality at times is a circle here. So which 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 point is the more starting point here and which is the secondary point here? So that that's my comment slash question. Swithin, what do you make of it? You know, is it is it are they cool? Um, you know, and what is sort of Christianity's relationship toward it? As to whether banning something makes it cool, I think is entirely contingent on. Um, the extent to which uh, the authorities are held in high esteem by the population at large, and in particular uh, by um, those people who the, the anti-authoritarian, well, basically the young, because those are the typically ones who would be the most anti-authoritarian in most cases, at least historically. And I think that's always kind of been true. I mean, there is a sense of uh, independence of separating yourself psychologically from your parents to some extent. Although you could argue that's a modern phenomenon, although I, I largely think that's probably true. Uh, to kind of exercise control. Um, that said, I mean, um, does it make it uh, the only situation which makes it like cool is that enough people uh, think that for whatever reason the current um, authorities or, or whatever are bad in certain respects so that rebelling against them is kind of like the good thing to do within particular subcultures um 
so i mean so for instance i mean if you started banning smoking now would it become cool mm, don't think so and and also we got to remember as well is 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 the extent to which media and uh other um supported outlets uh how they portray things to whether or not it's cool uh or not because what i completely forgotten the first thing about when it came to um you know do drugs uh con- are used for the purpose of control i mean like how can i forget the lsd experiments by the cia with mk ultra i mean they certainly thought they could i mean at the time i mean why on earth would they do all the lsd experiments if they didn't think they could um so they they, they clearly thought it was uh control and you've effectively got um lots of foundations and uh groups that support it i mean you know the, the, the i get it right is it the congress of cultural freedom the kind of social uh leftist stuff which is proper which is supported in the 60s to, to basically get the left to move away from communism and sort of genuine economic socialism to all this cultural stuff which then becomes pretty obvious from the 80s onwards when the mainstream left ceases to care about economics um and, and that that seemed to be very much like a a top down uh not say there wasn't any people on the ground who supported but the, the, it was helped along the way let's put it that way that, that that seems to be certainly true um now as to christianity i think um well there's a, there's a few different ways you can go here i mean pretty much on, on the surface of it um christianity is sort of pro alcohol to some extent um paul says timothy should take some wine for his stomach and then a lot of uh beer brewing was done by monasteries and still some of the best regarded belgian beer is still produced by mon- uh, by monks and it's one of their big money earners uh Vestervalen 12 i think is regarded as one of the best beers in the world uh which is produced in small batches by monks uh luther i think brewed beer as well um the anti-alcohols as such seems to be a protestant thing to a large extent now i have heard some protestants argue uh joe faust argued amongst others and some have gone this way that wine in the so one way of going is oh wine in new testament we didn't really refer to wine it's a grape juice which i suppose is possible but kind of unlikely i mean there is for, for reasons you outlined before you know it seems obvious why you would want to have a certain level of alcohol if you can't trust the water source because it's a disinfectant effectively um so for instance uh when england in england when they stopped drinking beer and started drinking tea instead they basically became malnourished because there's lots of al- uh, calories in the alcohol and they drank the alcohol because it was safe because it to some extent um so i suppose then the argument would be could be oh well yes but the wine wasn't as alcoholic as wine is today okay maybe um there are and there are references about strong drink and so this is when so back in like the 18th century for instance in england a lot of uh, pro, uh the christians there were concerned about gin you've got gin alley uh which i believe is a hogarth painting as a s- satirical uh sort of uh artist from the, the 18th century and the focus was predominantly on on um spirits uh i don't know how early spirits go back i imagine they're relatively early uh the eastern europeans clearly drink lots of spirits uh, and have done historically uh russians as well clearly um and so there was the approach that because uh, as well as as i say the previous i think the bible is supportive of alcohol to some extent um 
there is the idea that you should be sober and shouldn't be taken to strong drink. I think is one quote that's probably from the King James version, uh, and the idea that you shouldn't become basically completely inebriated. Now, then the question is, well, when does inebriation start? I mean, you could take uh, three positions. One, you never inebriated, irrespective of how much you drink. Uh, any drink at all makes you inebriated, and all there's a position of drinking but not inebriated and and drinking which is which i think is the correct position uh and then i suppose if you wanted to be scrupulous and go well we best are on the side of sobriety than on inebriation then well on a prudential angle we go well we don't have alcohol and then that then probably ties up with sort of we remember as well with the progressives as well you have a lot of um post millenarian thought that uh, the kingdom of God would be brought by the gospel on earth. And when sort of more theological liberalism came in, that basically became social work rather than evangelism, which was because the, the Puritans were post And I'm pretty sure the Puritans drank um, and also had long hair. Um, so the biblical and uh, the Christian one is somewhat mixed uh, as to the um, to the approach to, to drink. To alcohol um, but i would though say in general to drugs i mean it, it would explain why christians don't typically or historically never really cared about smoking i mean doesn't change your cognitive function no issue there same with caffeine um the focus has always really been on the ones which sort of impair cognitive function uh to a significant degree rather than just uh right now obviously as well this isn't always true i mean obviously being knocked out by whatever drug you use for an anesthetic so obviously again the whole context this is recreational um but yeah i I think i think that's a relatively fair summation from the christian perspective on um alcohol on drugs in general in my opinion the the case against the case against banning recreational drugs by the state in particular or by you know if you imagine in capistan or some other organization like uh, you know, private law company, um, I think is fairly weak. Um, you might want to ban it amongst your own members, but the, the case against banning in general, uh, because the, the recreational aim, I would say, is disputed. And at times, drugs, um, at times, drugs usage, what, what counts as recreational, what counts as non-recreational, to me, is somewhat unknown here. Uh, because there are certain – Joe Rogan interviews these people. Like Joe Rogan will interview veterans who come back, and then, then they'll go to Mexico or someplace and get some sort of other drug, and um, then they feel much better um, in the head, so to speak. Now, again, you want to argue that they should go somewhere else for that kind of support. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but a lot of this stuff is unknown here. And I would also say, see, funnily enough, I, I'm, I myself don't take, quote unquote, that many legal drugs like, you know, things like Tylenol. I, I hardly ever take. I take probably three a year, maybe five a year at the most. Um, I mean, I, I'm not on any insulin. I'm not on any of those sorts of. Uh, uh, I mean, some people are on lots of prescription medication. And, and, and as far as the opiate things, that's the that most of those were administered by doctors. Um, so like those type of painkillers or, you know, so like for the conservative who, who wants to ban drugs, it's actually the pharmacy that's handing out the uh, drugs that everyone's ruining their lives with. It's not it's not the uh, guy on the street corner 
um, working with the cartel. Um, it's 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 those. Um, um, so you you get run right into that odd problem. And in the book you the book that you sent me the virtual uh, the uh, about the drugging of America. It's worth pointing out, like it's a sort of bat. There's a reason why it's called a Baptist bootlegger coalition here. There's a many vested interests in the United States that like the cash flow that comes from drugs. Uh, you know, like supposedly there was a uh, supposedly that's how Clinton got his you know a lot of his sort of money in Arkansas, you know, because it's you could you could fly planes from Nicaragua to Arkansas. It's just right across the Caribbean, basically. Um, um, and the Kennedys, I think, got their start um, bootlegging, too. So there is a there is a kind of um, this, you know, and you had this sort of the, the ATF scandal that Ben Shapiro brought up once. Uh, Nick Gillespie brought up on Bill Maher. So like the state itself, the state, the American state has done a poor job banning it because and of course the CIA probably protects certain fields in Afghanistan. Um, so, so they do a sort of a half-baked job banning drugs. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very, very strange things. And then you get into problems where, where what counts as recreational, what counts as non-recreational, you know, especially of newer quote unquote substances or substances that you don't, that certain societies didn't know about. So like old England probably never knew of ayahuasca. But now they go out to the new world and they find this, you know, it, it's like a new product here. Um, um, so so what do you do you think the case for prohibition is over argued, under argued? What do you what do you make of my um, my criticism here? Like I myself don't do them and the people around me, for the most part, don't do them. Um, and, and but but, you know, in, in this case, we're dealing with, so to speak, other people. In a way, I think you're roughly the same here, except you drink more. But that—that's, you know, that's sort of irrelevant in a way in my my mind. What do you make of the the, the prohibition case, Swithin? The prohibition case, I, I, I do think, I mean, in principle, that uh, you could, by banning it, minimize. Uh, the use of it significantly. I do think that's in principle possible, although I do think that's going to depend on the background use of it to begin with. So I do think getting rid of alcohol could be significantly difficult, especially considering how easy alcohol is to make yourself. Um, I mean, you you don't need to have a special weed or uh, anything like that to actually actually produce it. So I do think that's possible. Um, Now, you could argue, I mean, you have an interesting thing in America. I mean, yeah, the CIA have been known to be in drug running in the 80s, at least. Um, the, there was the quote that uh, Hillary Clinton said, you can't ban drugs, there's too, sorry, you can't legalize drugs, there's too much money in them. And then the question is, well, what's she referring to there? Did she did she misspeak like Benghazi again, or would she let the mass slip? Um, I mean, another, um, so you, you, you could always argue that, if it was the case that the American government really wanted to stamp out drugs, they could. So, again, one of the other arguments from hearing as to why the Americans wanted to go to Afghanistan is that the Taliban were doing too well preventing opium getting through. And, you know, that wasn't good for business. So we wanted to. Produce. So you can always make the case that they aren't doing it properly. You know, if you have Peter Hitchens as world drugs are, would drugs be beaten into submission? Uh, possibly. However, 
One thing I think which is often forgotten when it comes to um, uh, the drugs prohibition is the other attendant legislation that comes in with banning it. So now, for instance, in England, it's pretty darn difficult to get money, large amounts of money, cash out of your own bank account without going through a trillion different steps or even to deposit the money as well. Because ever since the 1980s, banking privacy has gone down uh, down the toilet, basically as anti-money laundering uh, laws. And where what where were they laundering money from? What was drugs? I mean, that was the big money maker. So that was the only reason they did it. So um, I now then the question is, well, could you stamp out drug use without going on everyone's bank account i think that might be quite difficult because it'd be quite difficult to figure out who's financing everything now i suppose it might be possible without doing it and you could always say well it was a convenient excuse um which is probably true i mean whether many people always decide got up and went you know what i did really support banking privacy but you know this drug stuff is a bit too much yeah it probably came from people who uh, for well, banking privacy was a bad idea uh, anyway. Old drugs are a good justification to, for getting rid of it to some extent. And I think that's probably more true. But it, you can see how m- making it more difficult to pay in cash and uh, do other things with the pretext of drugs uh, massively increases state power. Um, you also get the problem as well with drugs, uh, unlike... Um, because, I mean, I mean, one of the obvious retorts to like, oh, no, if you ban it, you know, it's just going to make, um, oh, oh you, you, you can't just ban it, you know, because people do it anyway. And it's like, you don't think that with murder. And it's like, well, we'll ban murder. Well, people have it anyway. It's like, well, yeah. Um, so that depends on your view of drug uh, use. Although the interesting, the difference is, though, of course, that drugs are easily fungible. They move around, you can hide them and stuff. And you don't know it's happening. So in a sense, there's far fewer people directly concerned about any individual's drug use um, than there is someone going to kill somebody else. And obviously, as well, one of the big problems, although I suppose you could also, well, you could equally argue this with assassination, but the extent to which you uh, restrict drugs increases their price and then makes them more profitable. And then that means it encourages more firms to get into, well, gangs or firms to get into the market supply drugs. Now, of course, you could always argue the same thing uh, with um, assassination, like hitmen, for instance. Um, but as I say, uh, the demand, it would seem, for drugs seems to be, on average, like just a lot higher anyway. So uh, I do think it's, so I, I do think stamping out drug use is possible um it would be interesting to see somebody who genuinely tried it like, if you generally had a, a government that believed in it uh 100 and went after minor offenses and stuff like that how well they would do um it'd be interesting if peter hitchens um or alex barrison both of those are very anti-drug both of them interestingly uh, whether they actually cite any countries that have done this successfully especially from having a, a significant size of um, alcohol, uh, sorry, uh, drug uh, use, um, to see whether that is possible. I, I'm agnostic. I, I tend to think it's probably not going to happen. And if it is, it's likely to 
due to massive increases in uh, state or whatever non-state organizations power to to prevent it so um even if it was possible i don't think it desirable what do you make of the gray area uh between what counts as recreational and medicinal i i sort of opened up with that statement here and like you know there's a in my home state recently there's a medical marijuana plant that's not that far from where i live um 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 and so, like now, we have we have something that we're formally viewed as now. What you can you argue the medical part is the joke part, but to be fair, you know, it's like it's like is it or isn't it? I, I'm not entirely sure. Like like I like you know, you brought up Alex Berenson. You know, Alex Berenson is consistently against most drugs, including a certain drug that they spent lots of money advertising for the past two years, um, which got him banned from Twitter. Um, those drugs, you have to say they're effective and safe. Um, but like there's other drugs. I mean, for one thing, you have abortifacients, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I, I probably say that. Uh, so those are type of drugs that people want to, you know, either ban or have the state subsidize them. Um, 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 you also have other things like I don't know, Viagra. You also have things like Ritalin, Adderall. These are all things that are roughly legal in today's world. And some of them are mind altering. Some of them are poisons in a sense um, towards certain parts of your body. And I'm not talking unless you think it's a tumor. So chemotherapy, of course, is fine. Um, but there seems to be a gray area. Uh, but, and some schools prescribe or this may have happened to me when I was a kid. But some uh, my parents, of course, I would think good parents and didn't give it to me. But um, there's some schools that like used to recommend kids to take hyperactive boys to take uh, Ritalin. Um, so like on the one hand, you have like the conservatives very muscularly banning certain drugs. But on the other hand, the state and sort of other institutions subsidize and promote other drugs, which meet the mind altering things. And again, you can make a quick obsession with anesthesia here. Although there is a strange problem with consciousness if you want to watch John Ciro lecture about consciousness here, that, that is an exception to consciousness. Um, but but um, those anesthesia was besides, you know, if you talk about mind altering, um, those things, there are, you know, those type of drugs, they're all there are related. What do you make of that, Swithin? Well, with the recreation, well, the recreational medicinal, I suppose everything else being equal, uh, the given that man is a rational animal and uh you, you could argue uh, oh, what's the terminology i can't remember what it is uh, but the, the highest faculty of the d- distinctive characteristic of man is reason that you shouldn't deliberately um inhibit rational processes uh unless you have a good reason to do so so everything else being equal if you can achieve the same effect um, then you should use a less mind-altering thing. That would seem to be a relatively uh, reasonable principle if you take a sort of a, a natural a lot. I mean, characteristic function of man, I think, is, is the terminology. Then the question, then I suppose it's a question you could argue one of prudence. You know, is is it worth the is the inhibition, assuming that it's chosen not for the sake of the inhibition, but cho- chosen for the sake of something else? Obviously. You don't know that because you don't know anybody else's mind. But assuming you believe them, what they say is true and they're not 
uh, and like um or was it, uh, jordan pete well eventually he probably did take the tranquilizers for the effect psychologically uh, rather than sort of medicinally as such um that um that it, it's one of prudence rather than one of outright well this is a good thing uh, or it's a bad thing now let's so, see the peterson case is interesting for one thing people like to go on pointing out his hypocrisy which is fine it's a fair game but it is interesting um like it's like a dosage thing so like th- like this is the problem like this one of our niche topics, I'd say, is sort of libertarians versus conservative issues. And I'm not talking about in the sort of boring normie way, but but you know, I, I generally side with the, like the sort of, you know, the hippie libertarians on this thing for a variety of reasons. And I just, I just as you say, with prohibition, is it's, it's, it's a tough case to make. And a lot of things seem about dose or they seem about um, intent. It's hard to know intent. So, like, at what point did Peterson's intent become? "Quote unquote uh, recreational or coping or things like that and what like I, I don't know how I don't know how a state could decide now maybe some people could think well the state on average will make a better decision than most people so we should just you know go ahead and and, and ban it and by fiat and that'll overall be some in some utilitarian calculus be the best case um um but 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 you know you could you could also argue that they shouldn't even have painkillers at all or outside of like short-term painkillers like you should argue that you know in a certain sense all these drugs are kind of you know quote-unquote coping mechanisms in, in the same way like weed is often considered a coping mechanism for people that, that that's my that's my thrust of my argument here what, what do you make of that sort of thing well i do think that's true to a large extent i mean a lot of the ssris and sort of the um, quote-unquote mental illness drugs i mean that certainly seems to be the case um and so whether they're advisable to take is mm, well i'd say dubious in many cases but incredibly powerful uh and obviously the links of suicide is yeah suicide with prozac if i remember correctly um that's certainly true and i, and I do think a lot of um medicinal drugs do get a free pass um especially so oh no it's, it's mental health it's mental health it's like well i really don't think these really strong drugs are probably necessarily a really good idea because the people who have mental health issues quote unquote mental health, they just have bad lives i mean <laughs> it's not that there's some somehow their mind is going wrong no, no they're probably reacting quite rationally to negative <laughs> negative things although that reminds me of the is it the pol pot quote the best the best way to deal with negative people is to remove them from your life um which if you know anything about pol pot is quite amusing um um but um yeah, they get a complete free pass. And then you get to the questions of you know, mental illness and the appropriate response. I remember one guy, a mental health nurse, claiming on Facebook that he was kicked out. Basically, he said they're just vitamin deficient. And he tried to administer more of those sort of things. So then, yeah, so, so you're going to get a difficult question. So, you know, is a mental illness cogent concept? Thomas Saz, uh reference, obviously, here. Um, and, you know, how you could go about it without the sort of like incredibly strong uh, drugs, and they are clearly strong. I mean, they're prescribed. I mean, if they weren't, you could just buy them over the counter. Um, although, to be fair, nothing in any strength can buy over the counter these days. Um, a quick interrupt here. You and a, you forwarded me a screenshot. You once had a debate or argument online about this with, with respect to thrill-seeking. I think thrill-seeking is a point. So, like, medicinal point is brought up um, 
but there's also the thrill-seeking things. Like, so if you ride a roller coaster, you're doing that for the thrill of it. I don't see anything wrong with riding a roller coaster. I don't see anything wrong with skydiving either, you know. Um, um, so for some people, they take these for a short time for the thrill of it. Um, um, that I, I don't have any objection to that. Now, it could be that Christians have an objection to that because it impairs your reason, it impairs your, it impairs your head. Uh, in a way that the roller coaster doesn't. But see, this 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 is this is where this is where I'd say again the libertarians have a strong point. You know, pushing the the, the prohibition ban, you have to have a really strong case against it that other deleterious effects will occur here. What do you what do you make of that that, that the the roller coaster and thrill seeking point? Because with the, with the ayahuasca, it's not clear that people get addicted to it. But people do it for the fun of it, or some or certain other things they do it for the quote thrill of it. Would you agree? Yes, I, I suppose. I suppose what so so the back to roller coaster one was uh, responding to uh, a guy a guy's paper on why uh, a recreation drug use was immoral. We said basically it was it was a perversion of a faculty. You were de- deliberately um, engaging in uh, actions which were would impair. You would choose rationally to do, engage something which would impair your rationality. But then the question arises: you Now, what sort of impairment is it, and to what extent it makes it it um, it, it affects your function? Because as the example I gave: well, you're on a roller coaster, it's temporarily impaired, but there's no sort of long-term effects. So, assuming that there weren't any long-term effects, would there be a problem? And see, I'm sort of agnostic on that. I mean, why Oaxaca? I mean, is interesting. I mean, does it have any long-term sort of? Does it have any long-term effects on the brain, which is different to the impact of, say, food? See, I'm always dubious people. Oh no, you do this activity, it rewires your brain. It's like I'm pretty sure everything rewires your brain. Like everything you do, kind of rewires your brain. How how is this relevantly different? So I think if it was a case whereby there was no deleterious effects thereafter, uh, and you did the drug for a very limited time period, so you didn't interfere with your general life and or it was not something that was and then individually didn't sort of become more important to you than reality as it were and i think the argument against drugs are quite difficult um although i suppose you could say well you know you don't want to go down that path because you're, you're going to start taking something or start taking loads but again that's an empirical claim that may or may not be true um so in those highly stylized examples, I'd probably go, yeah, OK, I, I can't really put a huge claim against it. Um, but on sort of pragmatic grounds, it seems to be that there's negative associations with a lot of them. I, I say ayahuasca, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I mean, so there's like cocaine increased heart rate, uh, cause heart attacks. Um, there seems to be a lot of, well, Pete Hitchens will go on about this. Almost certainly the, uh, the Hispanic school shooter uh, used cannabis marijuana the americans um and that does seem to mess up uh your brain and like guys at school like they were pretty intelligent then they started on weed and they they just became slackers now whether or not they were slackers before they had it uh but they seem to function worse uh so on sort of pragmatic grounds i would probably argue against it but um on those sort of pure, clean, theoretical ones in certain circumstances, I can't really see a huge argument against, unless someone can properly convince me that 
being on a roller coaster and having a lucigen is categorically different in a relevant manner. Um, that would be uh, the approach I would take there. Um, but to, just uh, we were talking before you came in, I think it was on the um, recreational and um, medicinal. I say I, I think it's largely on intent and it's difficult to tell. Uh, and again, the, 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 the reason why, you know, saying, oh, the state knows best this is why we should ban them. That's precisely the reason why they shouldn't, because well, the people who know whether it's they're doing it for the right reason or not are probably people who are going to be closest to them and uh, make let them decide. And, you know, if it's a case whereby family members or friends think that this has been used inappropriately and they're taking this medicinal drug for the hallucinogenic effect rather than the medicinal effect, assuming you can separate it, because some cases you could argue it's just painkilling. Um, that... Um, yeah, that and sort of social sanction stuff is probably a better way of dealing with it than a blanket uh, centralized uh, decision uh, to ban it would be my approach. I don't really have any other comments on here. I would say that I not to sound like you know, in, in the United States you have a DARE program, drug abuse resistance education. Um, I, I, I think they're overrated in general. I, I think uh, to use the sort of Tyler Cowher and underrated, overrated. Um, if you take view of like, popular culture and other organizations, I start, I started off with the Marxists being against it, it, it as a, using it as an analogy and using it to undermine other societies. Now, as sort of an interesting point, it's also the case that like the Bolsheviks banned, tried to ban alcohol and smoking, like the actual Bolsheviks and the actual existing Russia. Um, now, you could, you could take that either way. You want now Russia today has a big drinking problem, um, um, and I would say at some point alcohol does become a quote unquote harder drug that's no different than anything else. Um, um, but there is a sort of performative contradiction, you know. Like I think Hans Hoppe has a joke about he never saw someone on LSD or so, or such and such. I do think there's a sort of performative contradiction at the uh, level that like one of the critiques people could make of people like myself who are are libertine for others, uh, uh, not libertine for thyself. Uh, that that actually might be fair, but you could also say that like like if you need the state to always remove the temptation away from something, um, I think I think that's a very weak. That's a sort of you're very fairly weak willed, so to speak. Um, um, so it's my, my opinion is it's overrated. Um, that that that's that's. That's that's my opinion. I mean, and, and that includes alcohol as well. Uh, you know, like like would people drink as much of it if if it wasn't? I mean, as is wasn't considered quote unquote cool. It's a good question. Um, so that that's one of my overall comments on people. Do, why do people do drugs? I, I I do think the recreational versus non-recreational point is relevant. I do think the fact that that that, that certain drugs are quite hard but are, are legal and subsidized by the state for all sorts of procedures and painkillers while on the other hand certain drugs it seems entirely arbitrary I, I could imagine an entirely similar universe that that opioids that get prescribed are actually illegal and marijuana is considered legal because i think they're both more or less similar do their effect is similar uh, uh so again i'm not a capital e expert on any of this but those are my overall comments so then do you have any final comments uh, I, I do think when it comes to drinking, I, I think the, the reason why it is as popular as it is is because you can become completely out of your head. Because 
most of the alcohol that's sold is really of poor quality. I'm going to sound like a snob here. I drink beer, whiskey and various things. I don't drink a huge amount, but I tend to spend a reasonable amount of money on the stuff I drink because I actually like it. Um, it's Now, it, I suppose it is possible that people do actually really like poor quality lager. Um, and people are happy with really poor quality food as well. So I suppose it's possible. But I mean, I severely doubt they would drink non-alcoholic. Oh, I was going to say non-alcoholic version. It tastes exactly the same. I suppose I could say I would do the same on principle, but it's non-alcoholic and better worse. Um, but that's just me being stubborn. Um, but I, I, I do think that's the attraction predominantly of, of, uh, of drinking. I, I think as well with the Russians, it's obvious. I mean, you don't want any distraction from the revolution. You want to have this sort of dedicated militant sort of aesthetic uh core who are dedicated to revolution and to creating a new soviet man i mean there's no letter you've got to go for it and you're all in and so yeah you don't want anybody been drinking or smoking any way of sort of um of distracting you from the main goal so i i think that makes entire sense um Although interesting, their smoking campaign, uh, the smoking prohibitions failed, interestingly, uh, even though at the time it was one of the biggest uh, campaigns ever for it, which is then in- brings the question is, um, is it just that the techniques, is it the um, advertising techniques are much better today than they were back then, which means they're more effective? I mean, it'd be interesting to compare and contrast and see why and why one failed and one, one didn't. Uh, that might be uh, an interesting comparison to do. Um, but uh, I'd just now I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the more we higher, the more the more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can uh, access this material. And if you would like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com.